We did it, people. We're back. Another episode of Wrestling Changed My Life podcast coming to you, not live, but it's coming to you. Today's guest is Corey Jansen. So Corey's the brother of Jesse Jansen, uh, who was on the podcast way back in February. Just like his brother, New York legend, multiple-time state champion. But despite all that success, we spend most of the time talking about a period uh, during his freshman and sophomore uh, campaigns, I guess, where he went through some serious mental roadblocks. And it's just awesome to hear him talk about how he got through those, how his brother helped him out, and some of the self-talk he used to get past uh, some of those internal hurdles, if you will. So really enjoyed this one. Thank you all for listening. For past episodes, please visit WrestlingChangeMyLife.org. Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. All right, Corey Jansen, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, I really love what you're doing on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I think wrestlers have an extremely unique mindset. So I'm glad you're uh, doing your part to promote the sport. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's a little bit self-serving just because I get to talk to so many wrestlers. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's fun for me. But, you know, a yeah. lot of the guests haven't always been wrestlers either. They've been... One guy we had on, Carl Eschenbach, was the CEO of VMware, which was a $100 million software company Jeez. and then grew to about $6 billion. Um, and he was a sales guy and got promoted all the way up to be the COO. And he was a Pennsylvania high school wrestling state placer. Um, and, That's awesome. You know, just a, just a legend in Silicon Valley. He works for a venture capital firm now. Um, but, like, guys worth, you know, mil- hundreds of millions, but he still attributes all his sex- success to wrestling. So that's a fun part of the podcast, man. For sure. Um, well, I know, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with you and, and the Jansen family name, but just for the, yeah. the listeners who aren't, uh, maybe just talk them through um, you know, your background with the sport and how you got involved with it and, and some of the things you remember. Yeah. So, um, I think when I came out of the womb, I was wrestling, like, immediately. I think I threw my singlet on and headgear and just started battling. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm one of five. I'm the fourth in line. Um, so, you know, it, it, we were wrestling all the time just because we were active. Like, my, my younger sister, or my older sister, rather, uh, sandwiched between Jesse and I was a wrestler. And... Uh, her and I would battle when I was younger, just wrestling around because it was just in our nature. We were very active as a family. Um, but I think I gravitated towards wrestling, honestly, because my brother, Jesse, um, my role model, you know, was a wrestler and my dad was his coach and that's all I wanted to do. Uh, my parents, of course, put me in like a ton of sports, but uh, wrestling won out. And, you know, looking back now, I think – it was because it's an individual sport and honestly it's a fair sport. Uh, it doesn't matter what body type you have because there are weight classes and you can find ways to win with, you know, your physical attributes as long as you work hard and uh, put the time in. 
Um, that, and then not to mention, is, it's, it's like literally the only combat sport that can get you into college. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the part about it that seems to resonate with a lot of the guests is that one, it, you know, it's it's something you can do at your weight. So if you're a small person, you know, it's a great fit. But but the piece that really sticks out among all the guests we talk to is, you know, you get into it, you get out of it what you put into it, right? And yeah. it's in your control, which is something I, I mean, who doesn't love that? I mean, it's, it's such a good lesson right. for the rest of life. Um, but, you know, but before we go any further, I think to say that, you know, your brother was an absolute legend in the state of New York. Uh, was he a four-timer or a five-time state champ? Yeah, Jesse was a four-time state champ. Four-time and, state um, champ. Yeah. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough. Like, my dad took me when I was really young, probably about five years old is when he started. He took me to his practices. So I got to see Jesse practice and train and work every day, and I saw his passion and work ethic. Um he was very involved in my training, but at a young age, I saw the work he was putting in, and um, it just was extremely inspiring and motivating. Um, and then, <laughs> funny enough, uh, I actually cornered him with my dad in high school. My dad would let me come and sit next to him throughout high school, so I got to witness all the great moments. And, um, you know, in 1996, my brother won his first state title, and well, it's 96, 97. So I guess mm -hmm. it was after the new year. So 97, he won his first state title. He was a freshman. And that moment was when I decided to dedicate myself to the sport. I remember it. He, um, so rest of the whole match, it, so in seventh and eighth grade, he took third. And ninth grade is the first year he made to the finals. It was a tight match. I think he got screwed out of a couple back points, but I'm biased, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but it went to overtime. He ends up winning the match and there's a moment and this moment is literally the reason why I decided to dedicate myself to wrestling. My brother jumps, uh, throws his head gear down, jumps into my dad's arms. And, uh, I still picture that every day in slow motion because I got to witness from a, you know, him at basically 10 years old to that point of everything he put in, um, and after that, I was done. That's it. That's all I wanted to do with my life. You know, it was, and we still have a picture of it. And it still motivates me to this day. And I'm not wrestling anymore. <laughs> you know, it had such a big impact on my life that it motivates me um, in every aspect. Um, but after that, that was it. Yeah. Well, like how, I mean, how important is it for for someone to see that success is possible through hard work. So a lot of people don't have that kind of role model, which it makes it even you know more impressive, not more impressive, but it makes it impressive that your brother did that being the first one. But man, just in general, you think about kids who don't have a good family life, or even if they do, they're not pushed. Like to be able to see accomplish, see hard work pay off into accomplishment is such an important lesson. And man, it's just so cool you got to see that. Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm so fortunate. Um, Jesse basically had gave me the blueprint, like everything he accomplished, that's what I wanted to do. So I knew exactly what I had to do to get there. I knew what workouts, I knew what to eat, uh, how to do my schoolwork. I mean, everything I, I understood because he was there. But beyond that, he had, you know, gave me so much guide, guidance and he was so involved in my life because he wanted to help me. And um, 
that's kind of, I'm fortunate enough because a lot of people don't have that. That was our family dynamic. You know, my parents instilled in us at a very young age that uh, you have to be there for your family. You have to help, support, love, care for them. Uh, you know, and no matter what sporting event we went to, whether it was wrestling or field hockey for my sisters or gymnastics for my older sisters, everyone went. We we're always there to support and love and care for each other. And, um, you know, I know I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed and extremely fortunate to have them in my life. <laughs> That's for sure. It reminds me a lot about, you know, my brother, my younger brother Tanner, he's 13 months younger than me. We both wrestled and yeah, it's just wrestling as a way of bringing people close like that because, man, there's no more nervous feeling than watching your sibling in a high-stakes match. I mean, it is, like, sickening to the stomach almost. It's really tough. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, very You know sure. that all too well. Um, one thing yeah, we've talked about in the past that really, really stuck out in my mind, it's something I think about, you know, still just from our conversation was, you know, you had a lot of success early on. Um, but then, when you, you know, I mean, success in the sense that you were a state placer in seventh and eighth grade. Um, you know, I know you probably, you definitely wanted to be a, you know, five-time state champ. Um, but you had a moment, can't remember if it was your freshman year or sophomore year, where you lost and self-doubt started to creep in. And then the following year, you had a, you had a year where you, I think you placed third or fifth. Maybe just talk us through that from the moment where the self-doubt started creeping in and kind of the, the two to three year journey where finally ended up being with your brother that summer and kind of turning it around. Um, yeah. So it's, um, it's interesting in uh, New York state. I mean, there's other states, I think Minnesota does it as well. And a couple, you can wrestle in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, in seventh grade, I was way too small. I think I weighed 65 pounds. <laughs> in okay. eighth grade, I'm, I, I weighed like the minimum and was able to wrestle. But um, yeah, ninth grade, I was a full size, the 98 pound weight class and I was ready to make my run um and you know I did this thing where I would put up my goals all around my room and it was four times state champ that's it let's go get it I wanted to be four you know I wanted to do five it didn't work out but I, I can still do four and the four is because my brother did it and I thought it'd be amazing to have two brothers you know eight state titles in a family would be pretty cool um and he was my idol, like I said, and I wanted to do it. So that was the goal. I put it all around my room. Um, saw it every day. You know, whether I was doing homework, I'd look up. I'd see it when I was laying down. I'd look up on the wall, like the ceiling, see it. When I look in the mirror, it was on, you know, on the corner of the mirror, I'd see it. And, uh, you know, it was always in my head. I thought about it in the classroom and all the time. And the entire year, it's going well. And in the finals, I lose. So take second. It's your so question. Yeah. Yep. So the thing yep. I see every single day, you know, four times day champ is unattainable at this point. And that's when the doubt starts creeping in, you know, uh, or I guess not doubt, but just disappointment. And that starts eating at you a little bit because the goal you had forever since you were a little kid was to be a four timer. And, um, but you move on, you know, you, you get over it at a certain point um but I did the exact same thing so then I wrote out you know three times state champ my 10th grade year and I saw it every single day every single day and I get to the semifinals of the state tournament and I freeze up again and, and this is someone you think you should have beat or was legit better than you 
He was no. I I should have been. I think I should have won that match. I mean, the the finals my freshman year was a kid I went back and forth with uh, consistently. Okay. So, you know, he he and he was talented. He ended up being AA for Hofstra and was a three time state champ from New York. Obviously. Got it. Okay. And, uh, okay. He was tough, but the kid my tenth grade year should have been in the semis. And then in the wrestlebacks, I lose again to a kid I should beat a hundred times out of a hundred on bad days. <laughs> um, so Man. at that point, at that point, it was broken. You know, I won four, three, and um, it ate at me so hard. And then after that, I um, was depressed for a period of time, like uh, not clinical depression or anything like that but I was working my butt off and the thing that was getting in the way was my mental state I was freezing in these matches and so that summer my brother was like he got involved and uh basically said come up to Boston with me mind you he had won his national title and was training uh for a world title and he said let me sacrifice he didn't sacrifice his training but he said let me you know, not be selfish, which is inherent in our sport. You know, we think we have to plan out our days with diets, workouts, and everything revolves around wrestling and the individual. But he told me to come up and took care of me. And that summer, he, um, we broke it down. He said, okay, what's going on? Clearly, I was having, I was struggling and uh, focusing too much on my goals and stressing too much anxiety something was wrong and uh i wasn't having fun he's like i do this this is what i'm good at you know putting out the goals putting in all of a room that's not you you need to relax you need to have fun you need to enjoy yourself when you're training and wrestling you can focus on your goals and your aspirations but when you're not enjoy life and he asked me you know what makes when do you feel your best? Um, and, you know, when I'm loose, smiling and having yep. fun. That's when I feel my best, when I'm not thinking, when I'm not anxious, when I'm not worried. I mean, you can say that for most athletes, but um, specifically me, it was when, you know, I was breezy, I guess you could say. <laughs> and sure. uh, yeah. You're loose. You're fluid. Yeah. And he goes, what makes you feel that way? And... The answer was the beach and the water and listening to music. And um, so we changed up everything. Left all the the goals and everything in the room and training. And when I wasn't, I was living a normal life. I was listening to music. I was going to the beach. I was wakeboarding. I was talking to girls. Um, you know, I was doing what normal high school kids do and doing things that made me laugh. And um, we went home. Back to my room, ripped off all the goals on the wall, put up posters of the beach, posters of surfing, um, some Bruce Lee stuff because he had that flow-like water vibe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we completely switched it up, and that changed everything for me. Uh, my 11th grade year, I took, you know, I, I was very focused when I was training. So, you know, when I was on the track, I would picture and visualize the people I had to wrestle. So each sprint, I'd pick a different guy, and it'd be the first round of a tournament, second round of the tournament, third round of the tournament, semis, finals. And, um, you know, each sprint, I need to take down a win uh, or, 
you know, an escape or a turn, or I had to pin the guy, throw him. And during that sprint, that's all I would visualize. And uh, then when I left, I went home, I listened to music, I did my schoolwork. Uh, I completely left wrestling on the track or in the wrestling room or in the weight room. Uh, and and it freed me in a lot of ways. Um, and then the other touch was before I started wrestling, I used to have a mantra where I would say, you know, I'm too fast, I'm too strong, I can't lose. The only issue with that was when I would get nervous, it started to change. I'm too fast, I'm too strong, I can't lose. He's too fast, I'm too strong, I can't lose. He's too fast, he's too strong, I'm gonna lose. And um, I went to the match thinking I was going to lose, you know, because I was so worried about it. You actually thought that sometimes, like during your freshman and sophomore year, like before the state semis, you would actually let that come in to the mind? Yep. Yeah, it it, it snowballs. It's a crazy thing, doubt uh, and fear. Isn't it it insane? God. And then once you start thinking about it, you can't get it out of your head. So it just, it overtakes. And then it gets to the point where, you know, it's like quicksand, I guess, is a good analogy uh, for it because um, once it's in your head, you, you you focus on it, try to get it out, get it out, get it out. When you step in quicksand, the the first reaction is, oh, I got to pull myself out. The more you fight, the deeper you get um, until you you know you you almost can't breathe. And that's the same thing with with, <laughs> with that, you know, with fear and doubt. Um, but changing it was huge. And then, you know, my pre-match ritual switch was I would um, walk away from everything, find a quiet spot, put my headphones on, listen to one song. Um, and I would I would picture being on my boat with my family, close my eyes, breathe in and out. Um, and I would, yeah, picture being on the water where I'm happy and enjoying life. And... Uh, not a worry in the world, and it would relax me, be less tense. Then I go, you know, before, probably when I'm on deck, start taking my, you know, shorts off, shirt off, putting the singlet up, and then smile and go out and wrestle. And that year I ended up um, winning the States, winning junior nationals, um, and then that snowballed. My senior year, it was the, it was the same ritual. And that year, I ended up beating Chris Frieger at the uh, New York Athletic Club, and then placing at Midlands, and then beating Mark Ironside. And I finished the year actually top eight on the Olympic ladder, <laughs> or on the Holy world team ladder. Shit! <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah. how would you? Uh... If you can remember, what was the song you listened to before the match? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was Vast by shoot. Let me look this up. Google it real quick. Vast, um, Touched by uh, okay, yeah, it's yeah, it's Touched by Vast. Okay, I don't know I don't why know that, that, that was yeah, it's it's actually kind of um. That's the only song I know by the band, but my friend sent it to me. My uh, the end of my sophomore year, 
when well, end of the summer, like when I was making that change. And for some reason, that was the song that was kind of implanted, and that's what I went with. Hey man, sometimes songs just you remind you of a, a certain thing, you know. Especially in the in the wrestling season, it's such a grind, and it's it's winter time, and so I can kind of relate with you there. Where like you know, summertime, you're you're having a good time, you're feeling loose. Maybe you got a right. tan, and it's just a great time, man. All your friends and family are around it. Supposed to like middle of February where the states are, it's like it's a different time of year, you know. So yeah. I, I can I can kind of see where you're at there. And if you take that, to kind of go back to the first problem. Do you think it was that you are worried about others' expectations for you, or that you're putting too much focus on the outcome versus just performing? Like, what do you think it was? Yeah, I think I I think it's a second. Um... Honestly, I never felt outside pressure from my family or anything like that. They um, were always super supportive and helpful. And actually, most of the faith I had in myself was from them and still is. Um, but definitely, I was focused on the outcome. And, uh, you know, maybe not my family's um, reaction to me losing, but maybe, maybe the outside world. Um, yeah, yeah, I just cared too much about honestly the outcome, seeing it every single day all the time um I realized for me i knew I knew my goals like it was it was in my soul <laughs> what I wanted to do. I didn't need right. to see it every time I turned my head or in my room or you know, um, but definitely focused way too much on the outcome and not just getting better at wrestling and having fun. The process, I mean, I'm reading a book now, Mindset by Carol Dweck. I don't know if you, mm -hmm. if you read it, um, but it uh, it's all about that. It, you know, people with the, and everyone thinks they have a growth mindset, but, you know, really what it comes down to is um, treating obstacles as an opportunity to learn and, you know, focusing right. on the process of skill acquisition and improvement. And yeah. man, I, I wish I knew some of that stuff back in the day because, I mean, I don't remember a time where I was focused on getting better. I remember focusing on cutting weight and focusing on <laughs> yeah. like getting like a really hard workout and so my cardio would improve. Like I really, um, looking back said, man, there was a lot of time for skill acquisition, like just getting better, you know? And like, you think about right. a guy like Yanni, who you were at beat the streets on Monday. Um, that yep. guy is focused on getting like technically better every day. Like, even if it's not a 60 minute grind match, which you know, that, you know, I grew up by the University of Iowa, so that was kind of the mentality. But like, yeah, like the actual skill acquisition is what you should be focused on, and that's fun. Like, who doesn't love learning? You know, everyone loves learning and getting better. So it's, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, yeah, Yanni definitely kicked butt at beat the streets. Um, but yeah, I, that, man, I can't tell you how many times I was nervous to get taken down at practice. You know. Like how ridiculous is that, right? How, it's I mean, insane. insane. Looking back now, yeah, it's it's literally insane. But I remember, yeah, and that honestly hampered probably, um, you know, my growth at a young age. Eventually, you kind of you start to lose that, um, I think. But a uh, man, if at an earlier age, if I would have realized that, <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> like I, to your point exactly, man. I mean, if you had like like Christmas break, maybe you have like a new kid in town kind of hanging out at the club and like you, you'd go into a practice and he'd beat you and you'd be like, I remember it would trip me out for like a day and like ruin my next right. practice. And you should, someone should have just said, Hey, this is about learning and improving. You can try stuff. And I, I, I had Jake Herbert on. He's a, a good friend of the podcast. He's going to come back yeah. on, but 
He said he okay. was a terrible practice wrestler. God, he's such a great guy, man. But he said, he's like, no, I was a terrible practice wrestler because I was just trying shit. And I, and I, I could, didn't really mean a lot when he said it to me about a year ago, but when you said that there, it just kind of came back to me. that Man, that's kind of what he was talking about, is that he was focused on uh, you know, trying a new skill or a new, new thing, and that's, that's what made him so good, you know? Right. Um, how do you think, you know, this, this, it's funny what you say about the mental piece. I mean, you were more than prepared physically to win your freshman and sophomore years. Um, you know, if you think about it, you probably spent 99% of your time on the physical piece, technique, conditioning, you know, building muscle, lifting, but almost right. no time on the mental piece. But we all know the mental part is the most important piece. So, like, how do you think people now, whether it's wrestling or any skill, can start to put more time into that because it's, like, the most imbalanced thing ever, you know? Yeah, I think um, for high-level I mean, athletes. Even stick with wrestling or athletes, yeah, just to keep it simple. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, specifically for wrestlers, if the work ethic is there and the discipline, so if you're doing all the right stuff um, off the mat and in the practice room, then, yeah, the rest of the way is all mental. I think because I've seen, I mean, I know for myself, um, with with a lot of doubt in me because of what I did, you know, training wise, I was still able to take second in the state my freshman year. Um, but with that being said, I didn't spend enough time on the mental aspect, and that's why I didn't win. And then it snowballed my tenth grade year, and I did worse uh, when I should have won handily. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're working hard outside the room with the lifting and the conditioning and discipline with your diet, the rest is all mental, without question. Um, that's why you have people like Yanni who's kicking butt and um, Penn State who has this atmosphere that's, that's loose and relaxed and all about trying things. And, I mean, they're maybe unbeatable, <laughs> you know? Unbeatable uh, for sure. <laughs> But it's, it's, I mean, and this is like unthinkable for, for like the Iowa guys or even, I'm a big Thomas Gilman fan, but I heard him say this in an interview. He's like, he's focused on getting the win. Like the Penn State guys, and I believe them, and this, even John Wooden, the great coach from UCLA said, the goal is not winning a national title. The goal is performing at our best for the entirety of the basketball game. And right. if we win, great. If we don't win, great. Right. Now. Yeah when you have people like, you know, Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, or Bill Walton, if you're performing at your best for the duration of a game, meaning that you're focused and you're going all out physically, the result's going to take care of itself. That's true for anything, right? So like the Penn State guys, I bet you'd say, I mean, I bet they would say is that, you know, our goal is to win a national title. Yeah, but our goal is to perform at our best for seven minutes every match. And if we do that, the outcome will take care of itself. It's a, it's a tricky thing to, to get people to, especially young kids, to realize, you know, or even like if someone would have said that back in the day, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. The goal is to win at all costs. It's not to, you know. Right. But to your point, I bet that's, I think that's why they're so good, you know, is that they're I, loose. And yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think um, part of the reason why it's tough for people in wrestling to understand that, I think it's because it's such an emotional sport. And losing is super embarrassing because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one and you're basically saying that that man's 
more manly than I am or just, you know, <laughs> stronger, more totally. powerful, has better technique. Um, so it's hard not to focus on that outcome because people hate feeling that way, you know, not getting your hand raised. But it, it is without question the right attitude to have, um, to trust your training, to know that the goal is just to continue to get better and improve and compete at your at your best. And if you, if you do lose, it's okay because you can get better. <laughs> right. You know, as long as you're and, and what your I'm, best. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's I, that was basically I was just saying as long as you're yeah. competing at your best and um, you know not focused on getting your hand raised. Um, I think that's where you want to be as far as mindset goes, just enjoying the process. And yeah, losing sucks. And if we could win everything at life, that would be great, but that's just not realistic. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and but and what I'm hearing you training, say, and what, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, kind of in the months and weeks leading up to an event, you're visualizing the actual event itself. You mentioned on the track, you're doing sprints. And I know in the past you yep. mentioned, you'd go into the Harvard room at night and visualize the nationals. You'd visualize different ways to score and win. But when the, yeah. when the time to compete comes, you're kind of what Hicks and Gracie says is empty mind, or you're, you're, you're thinking about something else that makes you relax. You're not thinking about the event 10 minutes before the match. You know, it's kind of that dichotomy you have to balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's for sure. Um, yeah. It's interesting. You, you want to be, thoughtless <laughs> in a lot of ways uh just react and move um you know when you don't it's funny when you don't remember what happened in a match that's normally a pretty solid sign like totally. vaguely remember it because that means you were just present the entire time um and that is you know that is the greatest feeling in the world because that means you're competing at your best and and you know just like i said uh, present and in the moment and reacting and, and having fun. You're enjoying it <laughs> instead of thinking of, oh, no, he feels strong or, shoot, that didn't work. What do I have to do? Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I you mentioned the visual, visualization and meditating in the room at night. Um, my sophomore year in college, I actually started to implement that because um, after my freshman year, I got, I got hurt, uh, tore my LCL and missed half the season. And when that starts to happen, when you start to get injuries, doubt starts to creep in because you're not training as much. You know, you're rehabbing. Uh, you're not doing everything within your power. I mean, you are, but you're just kind of sidelined for a bit. So you're not getting the lifts, the runs, um, the practice in that you need. And uh, doubt starts to creep in. And the way I started to combat that and try to come back from injuries was by going in the room at night meditating through matches so i would turn all the lights off going at like 10 p.m and would picture every match of the ncaa's or the conference tournament and specific guys and i would visualize it start to finish six minutes i'd start a timer on my phone or the clock we had in the room because i don't think we had iphones then um i was rocking a flip phone i think <laughs> <laughs> no, but I literally every every moment of the match, and um, I would even throw in you know things going terribly wrong. You throw it in my back, down by five, I have to come back. Um, I get hurt in the match and have to deal with an injury. 
Um, and that, that made huge improvements for me um, as far as confidence-wise goes because stepping out on the mat, I knew, I was like, all right, no, I've been in this position before. Um, there's an interesting uh, book. I forgot the name of it, but I can send it. it and it talks about this uh, prisoner of war who was locked in a cell for three years, I think, and he played 18 holes of golf uh, every day, visualized every single day. That's how he survived. He got home and played after not exercising or anything, being tortured and um, imprisoned for three years, not said well, nothing, and uh, went and played golf. Wow. Shot, shot like uh, 12 under or something like that. It was something insane. Shot the best golf of his entire life. Dude, are you serious? What, what book is that? I have to, I was like, I, I have to send it to you. Now. I got a freaking, that's insane. And, yeah, I'll send it to you after. Um, I should look it up beforehand. Sorry about that. No, no, no. No, I mean, no problem. I mean, that's, that's a great story. So, God, I mean, I really don't think anyone understands how powerful the mind is man it's like it's an untapped thing you know i don't know it's so bizarre to me it's it's exciting fascinating and also a little terrifying that like each day are we under indexing what we could actually do just based on right. any limiting beliefs we have you know it's like holy shit dude crazy um yeah. i don't know it's just it just boggles my mind i got how uh, how powerful the mind is um well, I know we're we're about to wrap this up. I have just a couple quick questions for you. Um, yeah. So I was going to ask you books that you like to read. Uh, you mentioned that one. Any any other ones come to mind? Just books uh, that have had a big impact like in your life. Um, just anything that's had a big impact in your life outside the one you just mentioned, or is that top right? I would to say uh, Road to Valor had a huge impact on my life. Okay. I actually read that recently um, when I started uh, when I moved out to LA is when I started reading that. Um, and yeah, okay. so, yeah, so I moved out to LA. We didn't really talk about this. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, no, that's okay. But, yeah, so after I was done wrestling, I transitioned into acting, um, and that kind of happened uh, on accident a little bit. I mean, I always kind of knew that I wanted to do something creative, but um, the goal was to train the 2016, try to make an Olympic team, and I had internships trading U.S. equities, and I was just going to do the finance thing. But in, deep down inside, um, I wanted to be creative. I wanted to be artistic. And I felt like that was what I did when I was wrestling, a little bit, in a way. Um, but I ended up getting hurt. My college career ends. And, uh, you know, I was feeling super depressed and banged up about it. And my brother I was like, hey, listen, uh, I know you have an interest in this, one of these one of my uh, friends around my time at Harvard is doing an independent film in Philadelphia. Uh, go work on it. He's like, you know, it'll be fun. So I said, yeah. And uh, it was Paul and Dan Cantigallo. And they made this film called Benny the Bum. And uh, that, I, you know, I'm indebted to them because that made me realize, yes, that acting and, and being in the film industry and being creative, telling stories is something that I need to do. It's, it's something that I love. Um, but also there, there was something specific, like uh, I had this void to fill, which was, you know, not being able to wrestle and never reaching my full potential in a sport, which is something difficult to deal with. Um, and 
you know, I, I got the opportunity to work on set. And when I was acting, you know, that feeling I got, the nerves I got right before I, uh, you know, stepped on stage or in front of the camera was the same nerves I got before I wrestled. You know, while that adrenaline while I'm competing was the same as when I was acting. And that high you get after you compete was identical to, um, you know, what I get when I act. So I knew it was right. And it was a perfect fit. So, um, yeah, and then after that, we, I fell into working on Foxcatcher. Not fell into, but um, the director for that film needed brothers to train um, the actors for the project. And uh, they wanted to do New York. It was, it worked out well timing-wise for Jesse and I, and we agreed to do it. Got to know Channing and uh, Mark Ruffalo really well. And then Mark knew I wanted to act. Um, so he said, you know, move out to LA. You can take acting classes for free at my school and, um, you know, train there. And I said, done. So I moved out. <laughs> I moved out like a month later, I think. Um, and then that's what I started doing. You know, the work ethic that I gained from wrestling i applied to acting and did that for two years the school the conservatory and did improv and then um started auditioning got independent films and some tv shows did stunts worked as an assistant on set so i could just learn and hustle and um yeah it's been it's been amazing uh i got a film coming I, uh, out soon called blowing up What's right now <laughs> blowing up right now Check it out. Uh, Tom Morris okay. is the director. He's, it's an independent film. I don't know the exact date, but it's something that's uh, I'm proud of, and it'll be be, be fun. Um, so, I love it, man. Um, two things I have to ask before we wrap up. Um, yeah. The one is in terms of in terms of like working with like. Chan Tatum or, or those guys like were they open to like learning wrestling and working out or like how how did you do it like I know we have like just maybe like a minute answer on this and then we have to oh yeah, to wrap yeah sorry up. about that well, no 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 excited. not at all dude. I still want to take a um, <laughs> like were they yeah, open no. to wrestling though and like learning learning the skills yeah so um Channing was a kind of he was a football player I believe and uh okay. loves MMA because he did a fighting movie before so he was super um you know, excited to work on the project and great at picking up choreography because he's a dancer as well. So he was open to doing everything and actually wanted to go harder because that's the way he is. He wanted to get a real feel no for it. Shit. And then, yeah, then Mark was a wrestler in high school. And uh, so he knows the sport and he's a phenomenal oh. actor as well and wanted to go hard as well. So it was, uh, yeah, we put him through some practices, some workouts. Uh, and Dude, that's awesome. It, it was fun, man. I've had Nancy Schultz on the show before. Great lady, obviously, for wrestling. Yeah, but lovely. it's just that that story is so, uh, you know, it's tragic, obviously. But it's an eerie story. And they did such a good job of bringing attention to the mainstream. Um, and, you know, last but not least, obviously, talk about bringing wrestling to the mainstream. Your brother, um, chairman of Beat the Streets, took over for Mike Novogratz, just hosted Beat the Streets. Um, what an iconic event unbelievable energy there um you know as we wind this down like what, what's your takeaway on on that event i guess just kind of summarize like what has wrestling meant for your life and like how does it 
instill discipline or like what are the takeaways from it for you? Because a lot about Beat the Streets is giving this great gift of a sport to kids who maybe don't have a lot. So, you know, what is the, like, the sport taught you and like kind of how is that parlayed into to the Beat the Streets mission? Yeah, so um, for me, it's, I mean, it's definitely given me a, um, almost every opportunity in my life, but something specific um, it actually goes back to the book question, which is kind of funny. I know I'm going to make it quick, but, uh, Road to no, Valor no, is about, no problem, man. is the, this book about this, uh, cyclist. His name's Gino Bartoli and he's an Italian cyclist during World War II. And he still holds the record between, like, longest span between Tour de France wins. And it's 10 years. Okay. And that happened because of World War II. And during the war, he was hard, like, no one knew this because he, he said it on this, he only told this to his son on his deathbed, and then um, they researched it, and it was all true. But he was helping um, Jewish families uh, basically get fake documents, and he was harboring. He was basically, uh, you know, feeding them and letting them live with them, and he, he was rescuing and saving them throughout the war. And um, he was known for being. He was just a great person and someone who uh, inspired me um, after reading the book wait, and so still he, inspires me right now. Wait, so he set a bunch of records, then kind of had a 10-year absence, and all yeah. he was doing was... During World War II, I, was just saving people. And then he comes back when he's old and everyone says he can't win, and he wins the thing again. But my favorite Jesus. part is that he was the king of the hills, and he had this saying where it was um, like, so he was a cyclist and just, a, yeah. they obviously have a similar feel to wrestling where it's like a masochistic thing where <laughs> you just got to fight and push through. But his saying mm -hmm. was um, he had the biggest capacity for suffering and that's why he was great in life and also in uh, cycling. And I think wrestling gave me that. I mean, that's kind of a morbid, morbid statement, but that, what it means is basically that we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. And um, wrestling gave us that ability. You know, it gave us the tools that no matter what life throws at us, we're going to be okay and we're going to work and pivot, adapt, and succeed. Um, and I think Beat the Streets, why it's so important, is because they do that. You know, they're raising money to help kids learn those tools. And um, for the less fortunate and people don't, don't have as much opportunities, that's, I think, the most important thing you could teach them. Um, so, hey, man, man. Sure. I mean, what a great way to wind it down. I think, man, it's just, just so well said. I get so excited talking to people about this, especially people like you who have competed at you know some of the highest levels and are taking that and doing, you know, doing your – applying that to your passion now so to speak so um man it's been an absolute pleasure Corey jansen thank you for your time brother i look forward to getting this one out and, and just thank you again man have a great day i really appreciate it thanks so much that's the end of this episode but definitely not the end of the show for more episodes please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org subscribe to us on itunes give us a star rating show the love baby show the love thank you so much we'll see you again soon peace